less than a week away from my inaugural webinar. If you're interested in learning about aspects and want a foundational rundown of what they mean and how to interpret them, consider coming to my webinar. Head on over to my website, moonmattersastrology.com to grab your seat in class or to check out my other offerings. I have astrological poems and tarot readings in stock and all the info on how to become a patron of the podcast is there as well. If you become a patron of the podcast, you can chat with me and other like-minded astrology lovers in our Discord. You also get new moon horoscopes, retrograde guides, access to all the additional blog content that doesn't make it to the podcast, and so much more. I'm always adding new things. True to my Jupiter nature, I love to shower people with benefic goodness, so I really am always looking to give back to the people that support me. Thank you for being here and thank you for listening. If you like me and you think I'm cool or you think I'm at least a halfway decent astrologer, leaving an iTunes or Spotify review for the podcast would be a really rad thing for you to do. I'm so pumped to talk about today's topic. Since the Love, Sex, and Arrow series ended, I'm free to explore all kinds of topics. If you have an idea for an episode or a topic you want to know more about or just want me to explore or expand upon, send me an email. I can't promise it'll make it to the show, but I'd love to hear what everyone is interested in learning about. Today's episode was actually inspired by a suggestion from my beloved, so we have him to thank for this kick-ass topic, which is the astrology of pets. You might be wondering, can astrology actually apply to animals? And if you ask me, absolutely. Animals are a huge part of many people's lives. We share the earth with them, cohabitate with them, and some people even make their careers out of working with them. We even have houses in our natal charts that indicate animals, which more on that in a little bit. Astrology can absolutely apply to animals, especially ones we have closer relationships to, like pets. The uses of astrology and animals is really interesting to me. I tried so hard to look up the birth dates of some of the Westminster winners, and I could not find a single data point. I found one dog's birthday, Wilma, who wasn't an overall winner, but just a breed category winner, and her moon is in domicile as well as her Mars. She's also a Libra, so she's built for the show ring, and with the domiciled Mars and Aries, it gives that competitive edge. And this quick tangent about Wilma, I, I really didn't mean to get into her chart, but here we are. So if any of you Scorpio Mercuries out there can find some data on Westminster dog champions, please send it my way. And the reason I just bring Westminster up in general is because I feel like the charts of these dogs have to be kind of important or incredible in some kind of way. You know, what was it about them that gave them that that competitive edge or that made them like a winner of all the dogs in the world, so to speak, you know, all the dogs in the ring? You would be able to see the show dog potential, and sort of just the life and personality of the animal in general. I assume a lot of the Westminster dog winners have 10th house placements because that's role, rank, reputation. So yeah, you'd just be able to see some really interesting things, I think, in the Westminster dogs. And that's just one of the big like show things that I know about animals. So I think it would be a good example. It's kind of like that's the celebrity, right? We always use celebrity charts as examples for humans. So I feel like Westminster is sort of like the celebrity version of that. Now, I know some of you are going to bring up the fact that a lot of pets are born in litters. A lot of animals come in litters. And this is why 
times matter. It's kind of the same concept with twins. Time matters. But also, it's a great study in showing how the same placement has a wide array of outcomes. We should never be so pompous to think that we know all the ways a planet will behave. We can't box the planets in, and we can't always know exactly how the strands of fate are spun. We can get a really good idea, but as with all divination, there's deviation. So animals of the same litter will likely have similar experiences, but all in varied ways. This is where the birth chart of the person who adopts them comes into play. The synastry of the pet and the person will impact the fate of the animal. So if a litter of cats have pretty much the same chart, each has a different owner. Their experience will vary greatly, even though they all started with a similar, if not nearly identical template. If you're still listening and you don't think that I'm completely out of my mind yet, you don't think that I've completely gone off the deep end, then good. Because now we're going to get into which houses in the charts govern animals. The houses in our natal chart that govern animals are 6 and 12, which to me was always kind of sad and speaks to the state of how we treat animals. The 6th house and the 12th house are more malefic-leaning houses because Mars has its joy in the 6th house and Saturn has joy in the 12th house, and they have to do with servitude and incarceration. And I won't get on my vegan soapbox, but I will ask you to please be a conscious consumer and to think critically about where your food comes from and how your food comes about. My motto is, if I couldn't kill it, I shouldn't consume it. Astrology was, is thousands of years old. Astrology is a very ancient practice. And uh, what we have today is very modern. We have service animals. We have service dogs. Having the sixth house be designated to small animals and pets and having service dogs is just kind of mind-blowing to me sometimes when I really sit and think about it, how that just so happened to work out. And then the twelfth house deals with large animals like livestock. And just from our natal perspective, we can really see our attitudes towards animals by analyzing these houses. Many times the animal significations get left out of horoscopes and readings. So if a sixth house or twelfth house transit doesn't seem to be resonating, don't forget about the animal portion, the animal signification of those houses. If you're like me and have empty sixth and twelfth houses, then use the old rule of the ruler of the blank and the blank, and I'll use my chart as an example. The ruler of my sixth house is Jupiter, and Jupiter is in the 11th house. I have always seen animals as my equals, my community, and the beings that I feel closest to. When I think it's in Finding Nemo when the shark says, fish are friends, not food. That is how I feel. I truly feel like fish are friends, not food. I make friends with animals everywhere I go. I'm the first person to pick up a stray cat. I plan my life around my dog and my cat. They're always in the equation, and they're who I like to spend my time with, honestly. I also mentioned my dietary beliefs, which stem from my closeness and community-like feeling with animals. Having a Jupiter-ruled sixth house brings a very spiritual tone to my relationship with animals and what we consider pets. I don't even like using the word pets. That's not something that's really in my vocabulary too much. And maybe it's the the fact that Pisces, it, it's the Pisces house that I have. It's the sixth house. It's not a Sagittarius house, but a Pisces house. So maybe that's the more spiritual leaning 
portion of it where it just kind of gives me that flowy, intuitive vibe with animals. If you have an MD6 or 12th house, just use the method that I did and it'll give you what you need to know about your relationship to animals. If you have placements in those houses, that's going to boost it even more. My partner, he has a good bit of placements in his sixth house and he's vegan with me. He is very good with animals. They love him. When we got together, my cat and my dog loved him. Just take that into consideration when you're looking at six house placements, because I know it gets translated to your physical health a lot and also subordinates, which that makes sense. And those pretty much are the bulk of the six house significations, but always remember to take in small animals and pets into consideration. Transit-wise, we can see when it's likely that we're going to have encounters with animals or just important events with animals. When planets are transiting your 6 and 12 houses, animals are likely important and more prominent than usual. I think unless you're like a rancher or a farmer, that the 12th house won't be as prominent with the animal signification. I think most of us will see it happen with the 6th house placements and transits. So always keep the type of animal in mind when delineating these events. I've adopted most of my pets around late February, which is Pisces season. And it's no coincidence that that's the ruler of my sixth house. Like I said, it's a Pisces house. Both of my dogs were actually adopted during either a sixth house or a 12th house transit. And what's interesting is the one that I adopted from a family with a farm was the 12th house transit. Just an example showing that either one can work when it comes to animal transits and life events. Some of you probably remember me having to put my one dog down last December. I wrote a blog post on it, and if you're interested in the details, you can check that out. But basically, I looked at the chart for when I was having to put Amina down, and Mars was seated in the sixth house at the time of the appointment. So that was very on the nose for the event. And all of these examples that I'm kind of building are just to show that astrology and animals, it really works for both of us and the animals in our lives. That chart for Amina's appointment time impacted her much more than it did me, but it still made sense for both of us. While we can glean a lot about our animals from their charts, it's rare that any of us have an exact birth time. Most of the time, an exact birthday is even a stretch. So let's go over how to work with what we have when it comes to animal chart info. If you're someone who adopts your animals, you have my undying appreciation and gratitude. When we adopt an animal, it's likely that we won't be given an exact date of birth. Sometimes we'll get an approximation, which doesn't really do us a whole lot of good for astrological purposes. What we do have when we adopt, though, is an adoption date. We'll have the adoption chart almost right down to the minute because we know when we went and picked up our new companion to bring them home. And if you're wanting a really strict guideline to go by, you can use either the moment you signed the paperwork or the moment you walked out the door together. Every adoption situation is a little different, so go with what makes sense the most for you and your situation. An adoption chart doesn't show us the personality or the fate of the animal per se, but it does show us what our journey with them will be like. So it does include fate in a roundabout way. The chart for an adoption day is similar to a wedding day or starting a business. It doesn't tell you about the parties involved directly, 
but it shows the impact it will have on the parties involved and the energy surrounding the event itself, especially when we overlay the adoption chart with our own. And if you're lucky enough to have your animal's exact birth time, you could overlay it with theirs as well. Since I have the adoption day chart for Amina, I'll be going over some ways to read synastry with our pet's adoption day. But first, let's talk about birth times versus birth dates when it comes to our pets. If you have an animal's full birth date, time, and location, then you have the gold standard of chart data for anyone, really, and you can treat it like any other chart. But if you're like most of us and you only have the birth date and potentially the location, then what I'm about to say applies to you. Having just the birth date of your animal can still tell you so much about them. While you can't rely on the houses for information because you don't know the time, you still know all of the planets. Things you won't be able to use are placements like the Ascendant, Descendant, Midheaven, and IC, or anything that's calculated from the position of the Ascendant, like lots. But again, we have all the planets and asteroids that we can still look at to get information. It's going to be more psychological-based astrology than fate-based astrology because to do fate or event-based astrology, you really need the ascendant. Let's focus on if we know our animal's birth date. My sweet baby dog, Bear Brody, was born on June 26, 2014. When I plug in his chart data, I'm going to just ignore the time and say unknown. What I care about when I don't have a birth time isn't so much the chart itself, but the list of planets. First, I'm going to comb through the planets and see if any of them ingress into another sign that day. The most likely culprit for this is going to be the moon, as it's the most variable day to day. So you'd make the chart at 12 a.m. for the day and progress at 24 hours to see if any planets change over that period of time. If you're lucky and the moon or any other planets don't change, then you can safely say those are your animal's placements. If something does change, that's when we have to make a judgment call and use our knowledge of the planet and sign to say which would make the most sense. We could also see where the planet would line up in our charts and see which makes the most sense for it to be based on our experience with the animal. Everything in Bear's chart stays the same except the moon, so when we get to examples, I'll go over which sign I believe it to be and how I came to that conclusion. Again, having your animal's chart placements doesn't really help with the concept of fate, but it will illuminate their personality and overall life force. I've always said that my cat walks around the house like he's busy (laughs) or like he's got somewhere really important to be, like, like he's on a mission, you know, like, oh, he's just got something important to do. Like he always looks like he's running a little bit behind and everything he's doing is more important than anything you could be doing. So when I found out he has an exalted Mars, which is Mars in Capricorn, it just made me laugh because it was right on the nose with how he asserts himself in the world. He is a very Mars-driven cat. He's, he has three Scorpio placements as well as that exalted Mars. So his Mars energy is kind of on overdrive and he really does work that way. He moves through the world in a very Martian way. I've mentioned synastry a few times now, so let's explore what that looks like with our animal companions. I'm going to go over two examples, one an adoption day chart and one a birth date chart. One of the positives about an adoption chart over a birth date chart is that you'll likely have an accurate ascendant because you'll likely have an accurate time. I went into my email history and searched for Amina's adoption thread and right there it was, date and pickup time. 
So that's what I'll be using for her adoption chart. Now we're going to take that adoption chart and treat it like any other event or election. We're going to overlay it with my chart and create a bi-wheel where I'm the inner ring and my ascendant is guiding the house orientation. This will tell me how the adoption impacts me and my life. And remember, this isn't so much Amina herself and her synastry with me, but the event of adopting her and kind of what it's going to bring, even for both of us, even when I'm just looking at the chart itself, I can see her in it. I can see me in it. I can see both of us in it. So it's similar to looking at her, but it's not quite a one-to-one. Let's look at a few placements and see the synastry. So the sun, Neptune, and Chiron are all in the sixth house of this adoption chart. The moon of the adoption chart is trying my Chiron and my midheaven. It's Venus is trying my sun. The adoption charts Jupiter is conjunct my ascendant and square my midheaven. And then lastly, the adoption charts Saturn is exactly conjunct my Mercury. Now there's a lot of harmonic things happening between me and this adoption chart. You heard me say moon, Venus, conjunct, trine, things like that. So the moon has a lot of these flowing aspects with my midheaven and Venus is giving goodness to my sun. And it was a really joyous thing to find Amina and have her in my life. But getting a second dog definitely came with limitations as far as uh, where I could live, what apartments I could be in and finances, which we see with the Jupiter squaring my midheaven. I didn't even want the type of dog that Amina was, and I didn't even ever want a girl dog. But when I saw her, I just immediately fell completely in love with her, and I had to have her. There was no rhyme or reason, and I wish I knew what her chart was because then I could maybe understand it and see it. But this chart does still show all of that flowing goodness, that harmonic goodness that the adoption sort of brought between the two of us. The three placements in the sixth house and the Mercury conjunction with Saturn are honestly the most interesting part of this chart to me. Amina did come with some illusions. I was told she was three years old. And when I brought her to the vet, they said she's more like seven to 10 years old. And this can be seen in the synastry with the adoption chart via Neptune in the sixth house. So illusions around small animals and also the adoption chart Saturn conjunct my Mercury. I was quite literally not communicated with about how old she was and it didn't matter. I did not care. I loved her all the same. I honestly just wish I had more time with her. She also passed away from basically the dog version of dementia, which also feels very Neptune in the sixth house because she really lost her grasp on reality towards the end. Chiron in the sixth house indicates healing, but also a wound. It's been about eight months since she passed, and I still get these waves of just intensely missing her. I don't think I'll ever fully be the same, but in the best sort of way. And people who have lost an animal that they're close to, you know what I mean. You're changed, but in the best sort of way. She taught me a lot about courage and resiliency, so I will always admire her for that. All right, so that's an example of how you can take an adoption chart and sort of overlay it on your own and see how the two of you come together to create this event and how each of you, how each of you were in it, how each of you play a part in that event. So definitely try it out and see what you find. Remember, it's more about the event of the adoption and how it'll influence your life rather than the animal's personality. If you have both your animal's birth date and their adoption chart, 
then you can do what I just did, but with your animal. You'll want to overlay their placements into the chart, and this can kind of give you a sort of backwards look at how they're interacting with the event of being adopted. You typically want to do that with a comparison from their perspective, but you likely won't have their birth time, just their birth date. So you got you got to work with what you have with these. You got to kind of do these workarounds. And I know it's confusing, so I hope it's making sense. But you got to work with what you got when it comes to animal info. Now, if we have our animal's birth date, then we can take their placements and use them to create a by wheel to look at synastry. If you don't know their exact birth time, then you're going to want to make sure that your chart is the inner ring and is guiding the ascendant and house orientation. We can then look at where planets fall in the chart and what aspects are being made. This tells us about how the animal impacts us, our relationship with them, and what area of our lives they'll impact the most. Before we get into the synastry of Bear and Me, remember I said his moon switched the day he was born. Based on what I know about him and his personality mixed with the two potential houses that it could have landed in my chart, I've made my best astrological educated guess as to what his moon sign is likely to be. He could have been either a Gemini or Cancer moon. Now, Bear Brody is very emotional. He is a Cancer sun, so there's that, but he's very emotional. He's extremely perceptive to my emotions and everything going on around him. And he's also extremely sensitive just to the world in general. I mean, if a bumblebee buzzes too close to him, day ruined. If he feels you acting even slightly different than normal, day ruined. He needs constant reassurance and he wants to be emotionally coddled. I've even taken to calling him my egg because he is so coddled. He's a spoiled little milk baby. He has that cancer moon energy where he just wants to be mothered. I think that's a big one for him. He needs that nurturing energy constantly. And he does have uh, three cancer placements. And if you include this moon, his sun, his moon, and then Jupiter. So Jupiter is exalted in cancer. So he really kind of, uh, I'll say, won the, the lottery with a family, so to speak, because my family adores him. He was the first grandbaby, and he is just adored and loved by all. The houses that his moon could have potentially landed in were my ninth or my tenth, and the tenth makes so much sense for him when it comes to me. Again, we can't go anywhere without people making comments about him being cute or wanting to say hi to him or just people wanting to give him treats. He garners a lot of attention everywhere we go, and I I absolutely take him everywhere with me as well. If dogs can't come, we don't come. Bear is part of my everyday public life, and he's very much a core part of my role rank and reputation. I would even say in college, you know, I was the girl on campus with the dog. That was me. Everybody knew me. That's I just I took him everywhere with me all the time. He is a very big part of my identity. As far as synastry goes, Bear has his natal Chiron in my sixth house, so another case of him being my Achilles heel, but also being my healing. Now, the difference here is in the example with Amina, it was the adoption chart. Something about the adoption was going to be, it wasn't so much that Amina herself, her Chiron was in my sixth house, it was the adoption chart. So it was going to be, there was going to be some kind of Chironic event surrounding her. Whereas Bear himself, he is my Chiron. He's always been my Achilles heel. He's the one thing that will send me into a spiral if something happens to him. 
So he himself is my Chiron, whereas the adoption event with Amina, the relationship with Amina was more so Chironic rather than her herself. This next sinistry placement is probably the most standout between Bear and I. I got Bear my last year of college. I was a big time party girl before Bear came into my life. He grounded me and he made me care about something outside of my own hedonistic fire sign desires. Since the moment he came into my life, I always put him first. My life changed because of him and he's actually the reason I became vegan. And I know that sounds strange, but it's true. Uh, The guy I was dating at the time when I got Bear, he said, if you were, you know, stranded on an island or, you know, you didn't, you didn't have any food, would you eat Bear? And I was like, no, like, are you in one? Are you insane? Why are you asking me this question? And two, no. And then I like this light bulb went off and I was like, oh my gosh, if I wouldn't eat him, why would I eat any other animal? So that's kind of how that went. That's, that's the roundabout story with that. And I just see how sweet bear is to other beings. He would never hurt anything. I've seen baby birds like fall out of their nest and he just runs up and smells them. He doesn't do anything. He just like looks at them. So that's also why I think he's a cancer moon. He's just so... He's so sweet in so many ways. So yeah, my life changed because of him. And I see this influence through the fact that his his natal Saturn is conjunct my Pluto in the second house. He transformed the way I move through the physical world. And he forced me to get serious and honestly sort of grow up. His Juno, Venus, and Mercury are in my ninth house. We found each other when I was in college, so that tracks as far as Venus and Juno are concerned when we sort of made our commitment. Obviously, we didn't get married. Juno still representing commitment. I made a commitment to him when I was in college, which would be the ninth house. His Mercury is also in an exact sextile with my moon, and we communicate almost telepathically. I've trained him to do a ridiculous amount of tricks, and he really just understands what I'm saying or asking. I always say to people, all you have to do is look at him and kind of ask him to do something like tell him like, buddy, this is what I need you to do right now. And he just kind of gets it, at least with me. He has a lot of cancer and Gemini mix of placements and it makes him equal parts emotional and intelligent. He's also very timid in some ways and I've always chalked that up to his Mars and Libra. The boy needs harmony and feels very uncomfortable with aggressive behavior or even just being too loud. Animals are a huge part of my life and astrology has become equally as huge. So I've always really enjoyed using my knowledge to study these types of charts and deepen my connection with my animal companions. It's a great reminder that astrology pervades throughout everything. These planetary influences are all around us and just because we're human doesn't mean we're the only ones being christened by by the astrological influences. And I hope that going over this today really inspires you to try to explore your animal's adoption day chart. Or if you're lucky and you have their birth date or their birth time, then really exploring the synastry between you two. It can be a really great way to see how the planetary influences come through in their electional charts, as well as just kind of fun. It's a fun way to get an astrological perspective on our animal friends. And if I have enough people that are interested in this, I would honestly love to do animal synastry consultations. Again, I hope you're still listening and you don't think I've lost it, but I truly would love to help people connect with their animals and the animals in their life in a deeper, richer way. So if you're interested in that, shoot me an email and I would love to set something up with you.
If you want more astrological content before the next episode, consider signing up to become a patron of my work. I've got exclusive blog content, monthly horoscopes, retrograde guides, and a Discord waiting for you to join. You could also leave a super awesome review on Spotify or iTunes, which I would be eternally grateful for. Head on over to my website, check it all out, and thank you in advance for supporting me. I'll see all you babes later. Later.